All right, all right, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the May I Have a Word podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gustavo Montes. What's going on, everybody? How are you? How's it going? What's new? What's shaking? Huh? How you doing, everybody? Well, we made it. We made it to the first kind of holiday. Uh, non-holiday, I guess you could call it. Uh, Cinco de Mayo. Hey! I'll give a dollar to anybody that can actually tell me what the hell this day signifies. Don't worry, I'll wait, because none of you are going to get it, because nobody knows what the hell this day is actually about. Uh, Just the way that not everybody knows what the hell St. Paddy's Day is about, without Googling it. So, uh, yeah, happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. Happy Taco Tuesday. But none of that means dick, because we're all still locked inside. So, uh, how are you guys doing? How's your Cinco de Mayo starting off? I had four shots of Añejo for breakfast, and I'm possibly going to have seven for lunch. Uh, no, kidding. Uh, I had my PB&J for breakfast with a monster, um, and uh, I'm saving the uh, good stuff for later tonight. I'm going to try to venture out and get some tacos. Um, don't know if I will. Best taco spot in town is not too far from me, so I'm going to try to maybe go get some tacos. Other than that... My ever-growing ass is going to be locked inside. That's what I'm doing. So, what's going on, everybody? How is it? Uh, what's going on? Still reporting live from solitary confinement in Los Angeles. Where are you guys at? How's it going over there, huh? Yeah? You guys good? Seeing a lot of people out in the streets, man. A lot of people out here. Well, yeah, out here. Uh, governor officially banned all the beaches, and then the very next day, a mob showed up at the beach. They were angry. They want their freedom. You know what? Here's one thing. Here's one thing that I'm going to talk to you people. Not tech. I'm going to talk to you people. And it's to the privileged masses that are upset that they cannot go get their 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 blow-dried hair and, you know, their French tips and, you know, their uh, their certain color privilege. So... I got no problem with you guys marching. You guys look like jackasses. Um, I got no problem with you guys speaking that, you know, you want your freedom. You sound like jackasses. But the part that I am begging you to stop is stop saying as a privileged certain color culture, stop saying that it's slavery. Stop saying equal rights. Stop saying Dr. Martin Luther King quotes when you're trying to describe an oppression being held over you. For the love of God, you do not know what it is to be oppressed. You do not know what slavery is, only except for the fact that your great granddaddy ran the plantation. All right? For the love of God, please do not do that. Please don't. Jesus, H, tap, dance, and Christ. Do not do that. Like, it's literally the worst thing in the world that I've seen. And I've seen a lot of shit. But for people to be driving in, like, a, a, a protesting parade with quotes of Martin Luther King on the side of their vehicle, for the love of God, do not do that. Please. Do the ignorant thing and stand there 
and say that, you know, that you really just want to be outside and, you know, you want to be able to go get a haircut. But do not sit there and say that this is oppression and that this is slavery and that blah, 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 blah. Dude, you people will never know what that is. So stop that immediately, please. I know I'm speaking to about three and a half people and uh, I'm hoping that at least all of them listen to my words and do not compare this to uh, a civil rights violation. Please do not. Because it is not. You know, so. Anyways, I digress and we move on. We move on, all right? You know, that we've already... We've already, you know, uh, come to the conclusion that there are jackasses out there. Uh, I've been called one in my day. Yes, I have. Um, but uh, what else is going on out there, guys? You guys staying safe? Are you washing your hands? Uh, I wash my hands. That's right. And uh, I did receive a bottle of um, a hand sanitizer. It was a nice gift. It was a very, very, very lovely surprise gift with the hand sanitizer. And um, I was grateful and I did show my appreciation in return uh, for the hand sanitizer. So I do thank you very much for that. And, um, you know, so, uh, yeah, so I'm just, uh, I'm trying to, you know, do the safe thing and, you know, stay indoors and everything. And uh, looks like we're going to have to do that because, hey, here come the Hornets, baby. And I'm not talking about the ones that play in Charlotte. <laughs> Apparently... 2020 is like, all right, here, you know, it's time for your monthly kick to the nuts. And here we go. Uh, apparently, the murder hornet, or its government name, the Asian giant hornet, um, has arrived in the state of Washington. Apparently, the same place that coronavirus landed in. Uh, just going to show you that Washington is possibly just the gateway to hell. Um, and so, uh, the giant hornet, the murder hornet, uh, has arrived, um, from what I've seen of this thing, there's a video going around of a murder hornet taking down a mouse. Now, you know, mice may not be that big, but you see this video, it's one hornet, which is half the size of the mouse. It is literally ripping this mouse to shreds. It is literally getting this mouse and just biting him to death. He he's biting him to death and he's stinging him to death. And like and 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 then what makes the video even crazier is that the reason why the guy stops recording is cuz the hornet literally pulls back after he's done killing the mouse and he goes after the cameraman. I'm not kidding you people. Look it up. He goes after the cameraman. It is nuts. It is crazy. Never seen anything like it. Uh, and I'm like, oh my God, is this really happening? This is really happening. This is not a drill. Um, so, but thankfully, thankfully from everything that I've read up on this Asian giant hornet or the murder hornet as it's, you know, being called on the street its street name is the murder hornet, um, is that, uh, is, is that there haven't been too many sightings of them. Um, and, uh, and so hopefully that's the case, but apparently, uh, like the beekeepers, I guess, of Washington are trying to 
Um, keep as tight a lid of this a lid on this as possible. Uh, there's pretty no way that you can contain this uh, with just like without eradicating them. But you're gonna get all those, you know, those animal rights activists. No, let them live. They're they they need to live. No, they don't. Get them the fuck out of here. All right, get them out. Send them to Russia. Do not need them here. Bye. Send them to North Korea. I don't care where you send them. Just not here. Yeah. Oh, I tell you, man, 2020 is just bringing the fucking noise, isn't it? Just bringing a shitstorm with it. Like, every month. And you know what sucks? This is what sucks, is that we're getting closer to June 19th, people. June 19th is coming. And here we are. And it's like, you know, businesses are opening up here and there. Like, this Friday, this Friday, retail stores get to open up back here up in Los Angeles. Which we're getting happy for it, man, you know, but it's like, um, uh, like it's, what is it like sporting goods stores get to open up. I'm like, Hey, you get it to tell me that I get to walk around a big five later this week. Hey man, that's going to be a banner day for me. But June 19th is coming, man. And uh, I'm really afraid I'm going to have to do a fucking zoom party. I don't want to do a zoom party, man. I want to be at a bar. I want to be able to do shots with my friends and then black out and, you know, I'm hugging the bartender, you know, then I wake up and I'm hugging a cop, you know, something. I want to enjoy life. You know what I mean? I want to, I want to have some memories. I swear to God, if I have to tuck myself in on my birthday night, oh, it's going to be a bad one. But yeah, so, you know. The murder hornets have arrived here in America because, you know, apparently we're just, you know, not fun enough without the pandemic. So murder hornets have arrived here. And uh, but hey, you know what? It's not all bad news. It is not all bad news. Um, Italy is officially back open. Pretty like pretty much. They're like three quarters of the way open. Was uh, looking at some photos throughout uh, touristy places in Italy and um it's it's totally totally uh refreshing to see that to see that life is getting back to somewhat normal in what was a very very furiously ravaged place from coronavirus so to be able to see that that people are walking around mask free and you know that that they're good there in Italy hey man it's it's it, it's something of beauty it's a beautiful thing to see and i am happy and i'm for it and i just pray to god that we can get to that level here within the next few weeks so there's that with that and um and uh yeah um oh I got a message. Yep. Someone wrote to me. Someone took their time to not only listen to the podcast and then write me something. So, hey, there's a, there's, there's a two for two right there, man. Let me tell you what. So, um, yeah, so I got a letter because, uh, you know, uh, it was in response to the, uh, to the demonic, uh, <laughs> the demonic uh, 
episodes, experiences that took place on the Warner Brothers lot when I was there, uh, when they were uh, filming The Conjuring 2. So uh, they asked if I experienced anything uh, there, you know, like that I saw anything when I was there. Um, I never experienced anything when I was there uh, at Warner Brothers, um, which I always thought I would. I always thought I would because uh, there was a lot of times that I would be like the last one left on the set and I would literally be walking through uh, Warner Brothers Studios in the middle of the night and you could literally hear a pin drop from one end of the lot to the other. It's 110 acres, uh, the entire facility. And you could hear a pin drop, like, literally on the farthest end. And, like, I'd be walking by myself, and it's, like, just, oh, like, it's creepy. But I never, um, I never was, like, like scared for some reason. But uh, I never experienced anything at Warner Brothers. Um, The creepiest thing I ever experienced when it came to that... Oh, haven't thought about this in a while, uh, was back in 2007. Back in 2007, I was, um, I was back in Mesa and, uh, and, uh, I was gonna go for like a night run. I wanted to go for a run. So I went to, uh, cause I, I grew up where I was living at the time was in my childhood home. And so I grew up literally not even a quarter mile from my high school where I graduated from, uh, which is the Mesa high. That's right. Go Jackrabbits. Um, so it was about a quarter mile from my house, less than a quarter mile from my house. So I like to get the legs warmed up. I wouldn't drive there. I would just walk. So I walked to, to the high school and then I would start my running and I would go at nighttime because I was at that time I was really heavy and I was self-conscious, I, you know, I was, you know, I didn't want to go running with, you know, people seeing me there and, and, you know, which I mean, you know, like they could care less if, like, if I was there, but I just, I was self-conscious with on how big I had gotten. And, um, and so, uh, I would go there at nighttime with the, with like the lights off and everything. And I would just go run and, you know, yeah. So, uh, I would usually go with like, you know, with like, um, you know, something to run with, you know, like an iPod or, or, you know, like mind you, this is 2007, you know, iPods weren't everywhere and everything yet. So I would usually go, um, with something to listen to, uh, an iPod, uh, you know, a CD player, something, but that day, um, that day I, uh, I think my iPod was dead. So I just went, me and myself, no, no tunes, no nothing. And I was like under the impression, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be able to, you know, listen to the nice quiet night, the, you know, listen to the air. And, um, so I get there, I get to the stadium and I start to, uh, I begin to like stretch and I see a cat and I'm like, uh, you know, whatever, straight cat. So I'm stretching it out. And I start, I start my running. I start to run. And so when I hit like my first, it was, I think like the third, like the three quarter mile, 
uh, marker, and I see a, um, I see another cat, and I'm like, all right, and when I get to, when I get to almost the full lap, my first full lap, I'm seeing cats, not like everywhere, there wasn't a lot of cats, but there was maybe about like four cats that were on the bleachers. And I was like, that's a little odd. And I'm, you know, like I'm still running and I'm about to hit the halfway point of my second lap. And I can start to hear like, um, it wasn't like, they weren't like meows from a cat. It was like that sound that a cat makes. Like you guys ever seen the grudge? If anybody's ever seen the grudge, you like, you know what I'm talking about? The sound that that cat, like the cats make in that. Um, they started to make that sound almost in unison. And I remember that I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, what is happening here? And I get to the three quarter mile mark again. And, and I remember that I was running and I just like two cats just cut right in front of me. And the la- like the noise that they made just got louder and louder. And I remember that something just in me was like, get the fuck out of here. It was nighttime. I was the only one on the track. And I've got just so many cats around, which was very odd. And they're all like, they're giving off like this sound, like a, like a, I don't know what kind of meow it was, but it freaked the living hell out of me. And I ran out of the stadium and I hauled ass home. Like I literally ran without stopping from that mark within the gym or with like within the gym, within the stadium, all the way to my house. And I remember when I got home, I literally was like, just spooked. Spooked. It was, yeah, just insane. So, um, that right there was kind of like the closest that I ever got to anything like that. Because I personally believe that that was something. There was something going on with that, man. That wasn't just, you know, normal to me. Um, I mean, I, I've heard stories from friends that, you know, that they like looked out their window and they saw like a tricycle going around in circles, you know, shit like that. Yo, never, 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 never for me. And, um, and you know, I am, I thank God that I've never experienced anything like that. Because Lord knows if I would have ever recovered. Um, but yeah, so, uh, that was that. Um, I had never experienced anything while I was at Warner Brothers. Uh, I have worked at a few other studios in town and, um, or worked for other studios in town. And, um, you know, I, I didn't, uh, experience anything there. Uh, at any of the other studios in town, even like, even though there's a billion, a billion stories within these studios here, cause these studios have been around since, uh, since like the early 1900s. 
So I never, um, yeah, like I never personally experienced anything here in Los Angeles or at the studios when it came to that sort of stuff. And, uh, I, all I can do is thank my lucky stars about it. So there is that one. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty much, uh, the extent of that. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for asking the question. Which is, which is very cool, you know, hey, like I said, you know, don't, like, don't be shy, send in something to ask about, I'm gonna answer everything, everything will get answered here, like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that everything will get asked as well, but everything will get answered, um, if it's, if it's a smart thing, someone calls me up and be like, hey, Gus, you know, how many strawberries did you eat today? I didn't need any. So I'm not going to answer that. But yeah, so uh, thank you again to the uh, question. It was very, very, very uh, well received. And um, and yeah, thankfully, that is the only time I've ever been like, oh, wow, I, I really need to say a prayer right now. Wear some holy water. So uh, yeah, pretty much the only time. And uh, yeah, so um, I had myself a pretty pretty chill weekend um literally didn't do much uh yeah literally didn't do much i i i was kind of i was nerdly excited and i say nerdly because uh <laughs> i saw that um i saw that they put uh back to the future the trilogy back to the future on netflix and I literally get excited, man. Like, I, I love this trilogy. This trilogy is part of my childhood. And if you've not seen Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3, then you know what? You need to hang up right now. Stop listening. Go to Netflix. I know you're not doing anything. It's not like you're at work or anything. So uh, you need to go to Netflix. They've got all three parts right there. Sit down. Educate yourself. You'll thank me tomorrow. So, um... That is by far one of my favorite trilogies, uh, possibly next to The Godfather. Uh, so it is just just a phenomenally well done trilogy from beginning to end. And uh, what's funny about Back to the Future is that the film, as as perfect as the film is, the film itself never was like, like, let me rephrase this as perfect as the film is. It almost was never made by, I guess, you know, um, difference in opinions, I guess you could say from, from every studio in town and like every producer in town. So pretty much, uh, the two writers, which was, uh, uh, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, Robert Zemeckis, shout out USC film student. That is right. Um, they wrote it and, and Bob Zemeckis, the director of it, he was still at USC. He had just graduated from USC when him and Bob Gale got together and they wrote back to the future. So they had themselves 
a fully made script and they were like, all right, we are ready to roll with this. They take it to Disney because they wanted, you know, they thought it was, you know, a good lighthearted, you know, space time travel film. They take it to Disney and Disney is horrified by this film. Disney literally looked at the script. They read it. They went back immediately to Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale and they were like, you realize that you gave us a script that contains incest, sexual assault, and underage drinking? And it's like, when you break it down like that, yes, it does have that, but it's like, it's not meant in those aspects, if you know what I mean. It's like, yes, Marty McFly's mom gets a crush on him and whatever, and he's got, yes, if you, if you break it down like that, yes, it does, but it's not meant for that. So Disney was like, get this crap out of here. We don't want to see this. Horrible. Y'all should be locked up for writing this. So they sent Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, they sent them on their asses and get out of here. You'll, you know, you'll never make a film in this town, blah, blah, blah. So they take it to, uh, to every other studio in town. And every other studio was like, ah, dude, this is a high school type of film, high, like high school comedy. Yo, it's not, it's not that, you know, edgy. We want edgy. They wanted Fast Times at Ridgemont High type shit. They wanted topless girls. They wanted, you know, teenagers, you know, making babies. They wanted all that stuff. They wanted, you know, like, they wanted like hardcore, you know, like Weekend at Bernie's and Revenge of the Nerds type shit. They wanted that stuff. And every studio in town, Paramount, uh, Columbia, TriStar, all of them rejected it, including Universal, who ended up making it only because they, because um, Steven Spielberg caught wind of it and, you know, was like, yeah, we want to, uh, like he wanted to make it. So he brought in, you know, he was, he is still is like Universal's golden boy. And he talked Universal into doing it, which was very funny because when Steven Spielberg took this project on and he was, um, he was, you know, like, all right, we are going to do this and everything like that. Um, he was, you know, like he was like the main guy behind it. Right. So when he took it to universal, there was a guy in charge of the studio at the time by the name of Sid Sheinberg, Sid Sheinberg. Yeah, that's right. Um, so Sid takes the film and says, all right, we're going to do this film everything, blah, blah, blah. He goes, but we're going to change the title. The title's stupid. Back to the future. No one's going to want to watch a film that has the, the, the word future in the title. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. So, so Sid Sheinberg wanted the title of Back to the Future to be changed to Spaceman from Pluto. He thought it was going to be a good, good tie-in joke that Marty is an alien, that people from 1955 are going to view him as an alien. See, he's like, yeah, he goes, uh, you know, yeah, let's change the title to Spaceman from Pluto. 
And uh, let's also change the line to where he's pretending to be Darth Vader. He's going to say, I'm a spaceman from Pluto. So, yeah, let's do that. And this is the head of the studio here, man. It's like He's like the guy that's writing the checks. He's the one that's, you know, making your film come to life. And it's like you don't really want to, you know, say no to that guy. But uh, Bob Zemeckis, the director, went to Steven Spielberg and was like, hey, um, yeah, we can't do that. I don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. So Steven Spielberg, you know, carried his, you know, 45 pound, you know, sledgehammer and was like, yeah, no, we're going to do this. And uh, that's funny, though. That's funny. That's a funny joke. He literally wrote Sid Sheinberg a letter saying, hey, that was a great joke that you played, knowing that it wasn't. But he took it upon himself to kind of punk the head of the studio and was like, hey, that was a great joke, man. Oh, we all laughed at it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Sid Sheinberg, who was naturally afraid of confrontation, uh, was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I thought that I'd, you know, would just have you guys, you know, just laugh at a good one like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, thank you. Thank you for laughing at my joke. That was not meant to be a joke. Um, but yeah, so uh, so Spaceman from Pluto was what the head of the studio wanted that to be called. Um and this is how great this this is how great this film is. The, how how perfect the first Back to the Future is uh, the script. The script is taught at USC School of Cinema, which is no, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Trojan, but USC's School of Cinema uh, is like I think tops in the world. I think it's the number one film school in the world, and they have a screenwriting class there that you can take and they teach this script as the perfect screenplay ever to be written from beginning to end perfect which is really 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 awesome and it's a very very huge honor um to be given as a screenplay so uh you know that that right there and and it's like if you guys ever want to you know like watch it in the in like the near future the immediate future whenever you guys then like the next time you watch it just kind of you know give that appreciation to the screenplay and uh knowing that that this awesome film was turned down 44 times 44 times before uh they were able to get uh the immortal one Steven Spielberg uh before he was able to uh, read it and say, yes, let's make this. And uh, they created one of the most iconic trilogies of all time. And, um, and yeah, that was awesome. And, and I mean, like this film is, is, is a part of everybody's childhood. You know, if we were to say great Scott, everybody knows what it's from. Uh, the DeLorean, everybody knows where that's from. Uh, you know, when people say, you know, uh, you know, Hey, easy when you go 88 miles an hour. Oh, uh, flux capacitor. Everybody, everybody knows what these little sayings and monikers are of, you know, you know, like Hill Valley, Hill Valley does not exist. It's, it's a fictional name, but everybody knows that there's a Hill Valley, California, cause that's where the McFly's, you know, or when someone's being dumb, you know, hello, McFly. Hello. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, we, there's also, uh, uh, what was it? Um, uh, damn it, I forgot another one, but, but no, I mean, like, this iconic 
uh, trilogy is just, it's awesome. Like I love, I love hearing stories about these characters or, or these films that get made and they were literally like left for dead and they ended up becoming staples in cinematic history like that of like a Rocky and stuff like that, which, you know, at a later time, you know, we'll get into how Rocky was made and how, you know, Sylvester Stallone did all that stuff. Uh, but that'll be, you know, down the road when we're doing a boxing thing or whatever. But yeah, so uh, Back to the Future is and was, will forever be uh, just an awesome, awesome, you know, film to watch and for me to enjoy from top to bottom and and you know i i honestly love it and um and yeah so uh i just love hearing that disney was like oh, we can't make a film where a mom and a son are getting it on oh whatever get on with yourselves so go ruin star wars will you <laughs> but uh but yeah so other than that uh, you know, I've been watching a lot of films, you know, to try to, you know, keep my mind occupied, you know, reading, doing the reading, doing this, doing that. It kind of sucks because it's like, you know, I was in full NBA mode, you know, spring training was here, you know, I had all that. And I was, you know, looking so much forward to, you know, to playoff time and sports and, you know, all this and that shit. And, you know, films have kind of been like my savior of being able to go back and see, you know, some classic films and being able to dissect them because I have so much time on my hands to do that. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so that was really cool to do that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay as positive as I can. Uh, I'm one of these people that is, that is, that is in the beliefs that by my birthday, by June 19th, we will be open for business. We'll be back at it, baby. We are going to be back in the gyms. We're going to be back at the restaurants. We're going to be doing it good. We're going to be doing it big. And, um, you know, uh, you, you know, you can't keep the American people down. You really can't, uh, for better, for worse, you really can. And, um, so, uh, with saying that I was reading that the Miami Dolphins pro football team in Florida, for those of you that do not know, uh, the Miami Dolphins are implementing plans right now that by the time that football season comes around, which will be at the end, uh, uh, you know, the end of August, uh, beginning of September, that they will uh, have plans in place to where they can play their games with fans in the stands. And, uh, you know, hey, it's like, like if they were to do that right now, that'd be a nightmare. Uh, cause I was reading up on, uh, I was reading up on, uh, something that was known as, as uh, game zero. It was known as game zero. And what it was, was it was a champions league. It was a soccer match. It was a soccer match that went down in the Italian, uh, village town, uh, whatever you want to call it, city of Bergamo, Bergamo, Italy where uh 40,000 people for uh for like 40,000 soccer fans uh came and saw a match uh between two teams uh Valencia 
in Atalanta. Uh, and, uh, and, and it was two soccer clubs within Italy that came together for a game and they attributed, uh, like, I guess you could call it an epicenter of, of, uh, coronavirus cases that exploded from this one soccer match. Uh, this one soccer match, there was 40,000 people that went into that soccer match in Bergamo, I think it was called Bergamo. And, uh, and so they were able to trace back like some ridiculous, ridiculous number of coronavirus cases from this one match. 40,000 people in there, almost 3,000 of them were from Spain because one of the clubs, I guess, had a large following from Spain. And, um, so 40,000 people in there, 3,000 of them were from Spain. And that's how there was, obviously there was somebody there. There was a group possibly of people there with coronavirus. And that is where it just exploded into Italy. And Bergamo was one of the hardest hit cities in Italy. So with, with that, you know, we are trying here, like when I say we, I mean here in the United States, we're trying to kind of like look at other countries and see where they failed and everything like that. And so, uh, you know, I like seeing that the teams are kind of trying to be proactive in a way to be like, how can we do this? How can we do that? Let's learn from the mistakes. Um, so it like, it's like, it gives me hope. What I'm trying to get the like the point across is that this gives me hope that teams are trying to do whatever they can to make sure that that hey we you know we're already past the fact that we are going to be playing but you know let's see what we can do to bring fans in and experience that um I would just love to to see the NBA Major League Baseball get underway and and, and finish their seasons uh that have been affected by this. And, uh, and so, uh, it's just something that, you know, that as a sports fan, I, I am trying to, you know, to be as, as positive and optimistic as possible, um, in, in a time where optimism and positivity is, is kind of, uh, at an all time low right now. So, uh, I'm, I'm being overly, overly, uh, optimistic at times. Uh, a couple of my friends probably think I'm annoying as hell because, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to be that, that positive person. And they're like, Oh my God, we're going to be, we're going to be in lockdown until, you know, till October, we're going to be like this for a year. And I'm like, no way, baby. Uh, uh-uh. we are, I'm here for the positivity. I will make you believe baby. We are going to be having a summertime. We are going to be down at the beach. We are going to be doing this in the prime time, baby, of summertime. So that's what, you know, that's kind of what I am, am, uh, trying to, uh, you know, be very, very, very positive about. And, um, 
you know, that, that the fact that we can see like all these teams and everything, you know, that are being incredibly optimistic about, uh, about their, um, about their clubs coming back and everything. It kind of gives hope to the American people because sports make the American culture seem what seems somewhat normal about it. Because when sports come to a, come to a halt, you know, it kind of slows down the rest of the country. Um, when September 11th happened, uh, the NFL and major league baseball were, were postponed immediately. Uh, they were postponed for about, I think like a week or two weeks. And when they came back, when they came back, it brought back hope. It brought back, you know, the promise that things are going to get back on track and things are going to be okay. So, um, that's why I really, really, you know, appreciate what sports can bring to a society and how they can help us, uh, you know, find an emotion of hope and happiness. And even if it's a bad emotion, you know, it's like, you know, if like, if my Dodgers lose one night or if the Lakers lose a game, it's like, Hey, I'm going to be able to feel, you know, that feeling of like, damn it. Why do we have to lose? I hate losing. You know, like instead of like sitting here and wondering when is the next time I'm going to get paid, you know, where is the stimulus check or, you know, where's the unemployment check? Like being able to, 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 to focus on something other than that, you know, it, it just, uh, it brings a lot of, a lot of, you know, hope and everything that, you know, that, hey, I get to watch my Lakers tonight. And and I honestly don't care if they bring back the fans or not. I don't. If we have to sit back and for the first time in human history witness the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NFL, NASCAR, UFC, whatever you want to call it, when we have to watch these events take place without fans in the stands for the first time ever, I don't care. I don't. You know, I'm I'm a fan of the sport. I'm a fan of the team. So if we can have that and give a country, you know, restore their their you know, their optimism and their hope and their love for their teams that they get to actually sit down and watch something other than repeats of things. Like everyone's losing their mind over this this last dance documentary it's like this is a documentary of a basketball team that played like 20 something years ago so it's like you know we're we're losing our minds over stuff that we normally probably wouldn't so you know it's crazy i mean just look at tiger king for the love of god tiger king you know like i said back in one of the previous episodes you know whoever did Tiger King, they need to go down and thank whoever bit the head off that bat and ate it for starting this because without coronavirus, Tiger King wouldn't have been anything. And, you know, we need that back in our lives. The American culture needs that back in their lives. You know, the NFL draft, a draft got 55 million people to watch. That's how desperate we are for sports in this country. 
they saw a 500% increase. The WNBA draft saw almost a 200% increase in their draft. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I say this, but I don't think the WNBA draft during a normal time would have garnered anything over maybe 2 million viewers and it got like what the normal NBA draft would have gotten. So, you know, for them to be able to to try to fight for a way that sports can come back, it helps the landscape. It really does. Sports helps the American landscape find its its optimism, its it helps it find its passion and everything. So, that that is uh that's my two cents on the sports topic which we will be talking about sports here here and there a lot but every now and then i'm gonna be bringing in stories man stories about films and everything and whatever else you guys want me to chat about bring it on in bring it on in man like i told you before we're talking about it all here there's not going to be one topic that will not be on the table enough for discussion people we're speaking about everything here so we are having fun here on the May I Have a Word podcast, baby. Um, before I go, ladies and gentlemen, before I go, I just wanted to say a quick rest in paradise to a dear friend of mine. Uh, his name was Jose Gutierrez, but uh, he was better known as Junior. Uh, Junior was a dear friend of mine. He was, uh, he was a, a great guy. You know, when you have good friends sometimes, you know, you butt heads and, you know, you... You kind of, you know, grind each other's gears and everything like that. But Junior wasn't like that. Junior was always a great guy from beginning to end. He was uh, he was never one that was there for the drama. He was never one that was going to start drama. He was never one that was going to uh, wish anything other than the best for you. He wanted the best for everybody. And uh, we unfortunately lost Junior last Friday. He was an avid fisherman. The man loved the ocean. He loved the sea. And uh, he loved corralling all sorts of sport fish. And, you know, he, he, he just wasn't there just to take a picture with, you know, the big fish that he caught. No, he what like what he caught, he put back into his body. He, you know, he made he made nightly, you know, fish meals with it. You know, he like he just didn't he just didn't catch it just for the hell of it. No, he like he loved it. He loved it through and through. And um, I was lucky enough to be Junior's friend. And uh, and I was damn proud to be able to say that I was his friend. And uh, I'm going to miss you, buddy. I'm going to miss you, pal. Um, one day we'll see each other again and uh, we'll go back to fishing. But until then, buddy, uh, I'll try to catch that 800-pound marlin for us down here. Miss you, man. And uh, hope to... Well, I don't hope to see you soon, but I'll see you. I'll see you one day. And uh, we'll be able to uh, to kick back with a cold one on that day. So uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, the Tuesday episode of the May I Have a Word podcast has come to an end. And I do thank you all for taking this journey with me so you guys have yourselves a great week stay positive stay right you guys have one hell of a Cinco de Mayo like I said if anybody can come up to what Cinco de Mayo means I'll give you a dollar give you a dollar 
you if you can guess what Cinco de Mayo actually stands for, because that's the same thing as what, you know, St. Patty's Day. Nobody knows what the hell those two things stand for. And no, Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican Independence Day, people. So tell me what Cinco de Mayo actually means and you get a prize. So enjoy the Taco Tuesdays. Enjoy the tequila. Love you guys. Take care. Wash your hands and I'll see you Friday.